We're finding, I'm going back right now and I'm going to see some old tweets. This is a new segment that I call Scott's. Um, thoughts? Scott's <laughs> this, Twitter thoughts? Scott's real thoughts, where I give dramatic readings of Scott's tweets that he's posted in the past. This one is from January 12th, 2017. One of my neighbors has vacuumed every day for like five days straight. <laughs> Bro, gotta let the people know, you know? If all of my followers gave me $2, I could buy a new laptop. So how about it? Hashtag, please fund me. Oh, man, that's so funny. I haven't gotten my best one yet. It's February 17th, 2016. Scott Nordstrom tweeted, the amount of good podcast is insane. Man, there's only been more. That has been five years of stuff. It kind of annoys me when people don't use a part right. Are you a part from it or are you a part of it? Very different meanings. Facts. Oh, January 20th and 2015, you said one of my life goals is to climb Mount Everest. Where are you at with that? Um, I'm in pretty, I'm getting in shape. Uh, my resting heart rate is like in the 50s now. So that's not human. Are you... Are you still prepared to take this risk with a daughter on the way? Yeah, I have life insurance. So, so as long as you have life insurance, it's okay if her father perishes on Mount yeah, Everest. If I perish on Mount Everest. Well, actually, one of the questions, I can't do it in the next two years because one of the questions was like, do you plan on climbing a mountain in the next two years? Okay, well, that's, that's that. When your daughter listens to this one day, she's going to hear this. Well, she'll hear it with a million dollars in her bank account. An easier goal was in January 4th of 2015, you said, just rode 15 miles on my bike with my pops. Maybe wow. this year will be the one I actually do a triathlon. <laughs> when, when, when was that? Did that happen? 2015? No. Nope. You tweet about fall in October quite a bit. Well, if you know what, we're about to, we're about to be there in prime tweet about <laughs> October month. <laughs> there might be another one coming up soon. In May 6th of 2014, also something that you've talked about quite a bit on this podcast, being content is one of the most difficult things to become. Yes. Facts. April 30th, 2014. There's nothing more frightening than a frog at the bottom of the stairs. Hashtag apartment life. <laughs> Are you a big hashtagger? Uh, I try to be. I'm trying to get my followers up, you know? This one you have improved on. I must say, this is an example of last week I said that it's been awesome to see over the years just how you've become this like awesome stud discipline guy. Mm -hmm. uh, April uh, 18th of 2014, I like the idea of reading more than actually reading. Well, I still would say that sentiment is true. But do you read a lot more than you did in 2014? Yeah, for Th sure. This tweet doesn't age well. Has anyone actually ever gotten a job because of their LinkedIn account? Why they doesn't that age well? They definitely have. I still, mm, I would beg to differ. If you've gotten a job because of your LinkedIn account, let me know because you're lying. Life proof case for 4S anyone? March 10th, 2014. Do you still need one? Nah, I'm good. I think I was trying to sell it though. So you actually, yeah, you actually tweeted that twice. You said, I have a life proof case for iPhone 4S. Let me know if you want to purchase it. And then you immediately tweeted after, life proof case for 4S. Anyone? I don't think I sold it. <laughs> Do you still have it? Yeah. Anybody need it? <laughs> <laughs> Let me know.
everybody, welcome back to another week of Decent Dialogue with Gregory Stenard. And Scott Nordstrom. Um, welcome back, dude. Welcome. Scott, I did want to ask you about, um, this actually is a good segue into our main conversation for tonight. Okay. Because I I have been like, I, I, I mentioned to you before I, we, we went down the segment that I don't have a Twitter anymore. Mm-hmm. Uh, I haven't tweeted in a long time, but... And I'm debating taking or even just taking down like Facebook or Instagram or whatever. I don't know. I, I want to keep them because I want to like pump podcasts and keep in touch with family and stuff like that. But mm-hmm. I don't know. I've just been so, I feel like I've just been so overwhelmed by the amount of news and things going on in the world. Mm-hmm. And I just don't, I don't know. I I don't know if I can, this is going to sound weird and or I don't want this to sound like, I don't want this to sound concerning, but I just don't know if I can take any more news. Like, I don't know if I can take reading more articles and more updates and more things going on in the world. Like, I just don't think I can handle it. I don't know. I'd, I wanted to ask you, like, what do you think is, like, what is your thoughts on, like, do you think we're meant to take in all the news that we do today? Like, do you think about that at all? I do think about it. And no, we are not. Why not? Well, because. And have we I talked about this before? Yeah, I think we've definitely talked about this, but it's it's worth uh, coming back to because it's something I myself struggle with just in the sense that I feel like I want to be informed and I feel like if I'm not informed, then people will just think, oh, you're just a stupid, uninformed person. When in reality, nobody's ever thought that. Like, mm-hmm. I don't run around thinking, oh, you're so uninformed because you don't know like about the geopolitics of the Middle East. Mm-hmm. Like that's just not well, real life. A good example of this would be actually like, for example, everything going on with Afghanistan right now, it's awful. Like it's some of the stuff going on is terrible and you're hearing mm-hmm. news articles and stories and both sides are of our government are politicizing. It's just like a huge deal. And there's, I mean, it's just, it's terrible at anywhere you look at it. And to me, I'm reading it. It just feels like one thing on top of another. And I know there's real suffering going on. I know there's real suffering going on in many parts of the world. Uh, I just don't, I don't know. It almost, I think in like social media and people posting about it and raising awareness and things like that can make me feel bad about it. Um, and almost like guilty about it. Like I should be caring. I should be listening to it. I should be this, this, this. But I'm also, there's so much of it going on from so many different topics and so many different um, things that are all important, but I just can't juggle all of that, you know? Um, yeah. I don't know. It's and I, just, th- I think tough. that we, I think that we do have a responsibility in some sense to know what's going on in the world so that we can be praying for things. And if there is something or like an action step that we could actually take, then the more, you know, then the more you can do in some sense, uh, you might be able to to donate some money to a cause or um, connect somebody with a certain thing that they could help solve a certain problem or or something like that. But I think a lot of times we get so wrapped up in what's going on in the world around us uh, and outside of us that we lose uh, sight of what's going on close to us and we lose sight of the relationships that are closest to us. You know, if if I'm so worried about what's going on around the world and trying to solve the problems overseas and then my marriage is falling apart, then what is that? What good does that do me? Or if I'm if I'm so worried about, you know, the 
you know, the church in Portland, Oregon, and or the lack thereof, the church in Portland, Oregon, and I'm not plugged into a church community in my neighborhood and trying to build that community up, then what's the point of that? Um, and that almost, even as I'm fleshing this out, out loud, it almost sounds selfish, uh, but I think it's, well, it's like, how know, do you, how do you make that distinguish between me? Because I mean, we are called to just, for example, you know, like I have a son who's two in my, as a job, as a father, you know, I'm, I want to raise him in a way that you know, I want to spend time in prayer, for, prayer with him, for him and with him. I want to teach him things about God and God's word, who Jesus is. I have a wife who I want to lead well, and I want to, you know, pray for her. I, I have like immediate family after that. And then I have, you know, if you're kind of going out in concentric circles, then I have, you know, my city and my community and my church, and then I have my state and nation and world. And it just feels like for, for me, the things on the outside of that circle get, I, I definitely tend to, I tend to not focus on those as much because I feel like I'm, I get so overwhelmed by all of the things that are out there all the problems that are out there that I end up doing none of that and just focusing on what's around me, if that makes sense. And almost shutting down when I'm hearing all these news articles about things going on in the world when I probably should be taking more of a, you know, I probably should be considering it more and whatnot. And it's just like finding that balance has been, I don't know, it's been just tiring, I think, lately. I, I mean, given our, our, giving our context, like I do think I do think that we are just not we are meant we are not meant and not capable of handling all of the news from social media of like this constant influx of news is not good. Nobody can handle it, nobody can do it well. Um, but I do think there is some some that you should be paying attention to, and I think just trying to find that balance has been difficult. Yeah, and I think there definitely is a balance, but I also think at the end of the day, we were not meant to have the deluge of information that is out there that is just that is not how we were created our minds were not meant to take in the problems of the entire world within a matter of 20 minutes scrolling through instagram or some other news feed or watching an hour of the news at night and just seeing 18 people killed you know a mother you know leaves her child or you know, this guy got chopped up with a machete or this person drowned in a car accident. And it's like, you know, tune in at six to hear more about it. And it's like, that's our brains were not meant to take all of that in. I just there's there's no two ifs, ands or buts about it. We really do a disservice to ourselves when that's all we put in our minds. And if we just fill our minds with uh, how terrible the world is all the time, then we're not going to be in a healthy mental state. And as far as you know, whether it's getting off of social media or, you know, completely cutting yourself off from the news or whatever it may be, you know, I think there's a time and a place for that. And I think for the mo- for the vast majority of people, uh, that time and place would be uh, yesterday. I heard somebody say once, a pastor up in New York, that on Sundays, on Sabbath days, what him and his wife do is they light a candle in their home. And it's more just, it's symbolic more than anything. But just to remind them that even though they're not working, uh, even though, because he like wants to be out in the streets doing ministry, working on, the, you know, all the stuff that he feels like he has to work on, that even though he's not doing those things, that God is still in control and still moving and they can rest and it's okay to rest. Um, but I like that mentality and the idea of, I think it does come to a, I don't know, for if you're reading news and whatnot and it's more of, 
you're trying to be some social activist and and conquer everything. I do think there needs to be kind of a, you know, like a, a having to come to a place of trusting that God is going to be sovereign. Like God is powerful enough and sovereign enough to take care of those problems and doesn't need you to be the leading charge in every single aspect of those things. And I think sometimes we can use that. And I think we can use, oh, I should be informed because I need to know what to pray for. I need to know what to do this as an excuse to read the news. And when ultimately it's coming for a, from a place of more either fear or entertainment or, you know, it's it's coming from a lack of trusting God and wanting to absorb all the information or I don't know. I just, I don't know. I, I don't think there's really any good motivations for just being surrounded by it constantly. But yeah. Um, and I think one, one of the things I do is I will go on app, my Apple news app or Google news or whatever it may be and just kind of skim headlines and then maybe click on something that's uh, that kind of piques my interest or whatever it may be. And, and then I'll feel like, all right, I'm, I'm informed or whatever. And uh, this and that. And th- the thing with Apple News or any of those things is the more you click on something, the more you'll get fed uh, more articles like that. So if you click on something that is, uh, you know, scary or, uh, you know, the world is falling apart type of stuff, then that's just what you're going to get fed, you know, constantly. And I even find myself going down those rabbit holes of, oh, wow, this is a terrible thing that's happening, or mm. that's a terrible thing that's happening. And then I click, click, click oh man, the world's falling apart and my life sucks and what's the point of anything? And I can get there real quick. Mm. Uh, and that's just not healthy. And a, a big a big place that that really, I think, shines in my life. Uh, shines probably not the right way to put that. But <laughs> uh, it comes out, I don't know. Yeah, a, a way that comes out in my life is uh, when I sleep, I don't get good rest if I'm just constantly filling my mind up with, you know, the 30 minutes to an hour before I go to bed, I'm scrolling mm-hmm. news. Like I'm not about to get, you know, a solid eight hours of sleep. It's going to yeah. be a restless four hours and, you know, and it's, that's just so unhealthy in so many different ways. And I do that often. Mm-hmm. That is a good point. I need to get better at, I think I need to get better at, um, this is a different topic, but like just sleep in general. I think we have, I don't know, I feel like as a culture, we avoid sleep. Um, yep. And there's a lot of reasons why to that. Since I've become a dad, it's been, I've 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 longed for sleep more and more, <laughs> um, which I'm sure you relate to as well. Anytime after it gets, anytime after nine o'clock, I'm, I'm dead. I just, I'm not a, a night person. Yeah. But I end up then by, I also end up waking up really early because I feel like I have to do things. And it's like, mm-hmm. well, I, you know, I don't stay up late, but I wake up really early really early and I'm just as tired, you know, we need sleep, we need rest, but yeah, I, don't I think know. S- that- sleep is one of the most underrated ways to have a better life. Hmm, for sure. That was a minor little comment, just something that's been on my mind that I've been thinking about. I'm trying to have better things that I'm thinking about because you're always thinking about things and reflecting. So I mean, one of the things I've been reflecting on is our, I was listening to a podcast and they were talking about this thing called an arrival fallacy in the sense that 
you once you set a goal or you set out to accomplish something, you think, all right, if I can just do this, then my life will be good. If I can just uh, climb Mount Everest, then my life will be great. Or if I if I win the gold medal, or if I get this job, if I you know make six figures, you know the list can go on and on. And there's it's this fallacy that says uh, that is what will make me happy. And study after study, and time and time again, and own personal experience uh, shows that it's not true. Like you'll never make it. You'll never be where you think you ought to be. You'll never be where you truly want to be. Uh, and it's just this thing called the arrival fallacy. Uh, and I thought that's something really interesting. And I, I do ponder on that quite a bit. Hmm. Does it go back to your patience, um, relate to your patience thing? Yeah, I think patience and being content. Uh, in this article, it says arrival fallacy is this illusion that once we make it, once we attain our goal or reach, reach our destination, we will reach lasting happiness. Mm. And as Christians and as people who walk with God, we know that lasting happiness and joy only comes from Christ. But I for sure try to find it elsewhere. Yeah, for sure. I think I think it's easy. I've definitely fallen into that with COVID of wanting COVID to be over to get back to some mm. sense of normalcy in my life instead of being content in all circumstances and being like, you know what, even if I don't, because I think, I think a lot of times with the arrival fallacy, you have a, a goal or ideal in your mind, but oftentimes when you actually get there, it looks far different than you thought it was going to, you know, and I think we don't, I don't think we prepare yeah. for that enough. That's a big, oomph. speaking of that, I feel like we haven't asked what God's been teaching each other. In quite a while. Hmm. So shows what good friends we are. We just are neglecting each other. But what uh what's God been teaching you? I would say for me Arrival fallacies? Yes. Ar- the arrival fallacy. Have you heard of it? No, the biggest thing that I think God has been teaching me is just that with a kid coming, uh, I'm never gonna be ready and I'm never gonna be prepared. So be okay with being unprepared and trust that God is in control. Uh, Cause I definitely want to be in control. Mm. And even I was talking to my wife tonight, like w- with pregnancy, so much can go wrong in a matter of seconds. Uh, you know, so far everything has been super smooth, but I am keenly aware of how wrong things can go quickly. Uh, and that terrifies me mm. and I'm, I freak out. But then I have to realize, all right, God is in control. He is the one that causes us to breathe each and every breath. So he has uh, my wife being pregnant in his hands. He has my baby in his hands. It's his life, not mine. And I have to trust that. Whitney literally said tonight, she was like, you know, Greg talks about having a kid a lot, but you're going to be able to relate to him a lot better here shortly. It's really just the sleep thing. That's really it. Like the other stuff, I, I always, when like friends of mine are having kids, it's great. It's exciting. At the end of the day, the parents, like you're going to figure things out with Whitney. You're just going to do it. Like, I don't feel like I, I don't know. Some people feel like they have to give a ton of advice on how to parent and how to do this and this and that. No, you should do this and that. At the end of the day, like mm-hmm. the fun of it is finding out how to parent with your wife, uh, even mm-hmm. and making mistakes wow. together and things like that. And I don't know. I, I I think there's a lot of a lot of some of my some of the best things I enjoyed that like my parents 
like let Dally and I do. They lived really close. They lived really close to us right in the beginning. Is just letting us mm-hmm. be us and make mistakes and learn and do all that on our own and stuff. So I don't feel like I have to give you advice, and I don't want to give you advice. Um, the only <laughs> thing I want from you is to be able to relate to you when you can't sleep. Um, well, then I'll just be up editing this podcast. <laughs> there's joy in shared suffering, I think, in in shared sufferable experiences. So it'll. So you're just waiting for me to suffer. I'm just so waiting to have for joy. You to suffer. Um, kind of what God's been teaching me, actually, and we joke about that, but uh, was about suffering. Um, mm. And I was reading today in Luke chapter 13 or 14. I should remember this better. But so when you hear the verse of, if anyone comes to me and does not hate his own father, mother, wife, child, brothers, Sisters, yes, not in his own life, he cannot be my disciple. Which of you, when he build, when he sits down to build a tower, does not first sit down and calculate the cost to see if he has enough to complete it? Otherwise, when he's laid a foundation, it'll he won't be able to finish. Uh, all who are watching it will ridicule that person. Basically, you know, who does not follow Jesus without contemplating the cost of following him? Like, what do you think of when you hear that? Like the cost of following Jesus? How would you just how would you describe that? Like, what does it cost you when you follow Jesus? That is a really tough question because I feel like I, it doesn't, this is, I don't, I don't know what this means, but I feel like it doesn't really cost me anything Hmm. to follow Jesus. See, I think in the, I I think, I think it's like, what does your mind go to? Like, what would it look like costing somebody something to follow Jesus? Their, their family relationships. I know. Uh, you know, if you look at people that convert to Christianity from the Muslim faith, they pretty much lose their entire family unit. They get uh, shunned by their families mm-hmm. and, uh, you, you know, or worse. Uh, I look at people who, you know, in other countries, they aren't even allowed to uh, worship uh, God. Mm-hmm. So, you know, in places like China, if you become a Christian, then the cost is you know, possibly your life, uh, your livelihood, your job, uh, you know, whatever that may be. Uh, so that's, that's a cost. If you look at in other places, it might be your social standing. If you become a Christian, it's going to cost you, you know, your, uh, social standing, whether you're, uh, uh, you know, somebody that's of high importance in a government or whatever it may be, and you get kicked out of that. Mm -hmm. Uh, there's a lot of those costs. Uh, I th- when I think of costs, I think of sacrifice. Yeah. Like you're going to have to sacrifice uh, who you are and what you've built your life around in order to follow God and do what mm. he uh, calls you to. And so when I look at my life and do I think about what I've sacrificed and the cost of it, it's like, um, you know, maybe the cost is I go to church on Sunday mornings now and teach a Sunday school class. Yeah. <laughs> like, I, yeah, I think when you, I think from the Western American church culture and especially being in a nation that, you know, allows religious freedoms and we don't feel like we're going to be straight up persecuted in the sense of being thrown in jail or, you know, killed for our faith. I think it's easy. And I think I've always read this as a, when you hear cost, I think it's easy to go to the extremes of losing life or whatever it may be, you know, um, but it just hit me in a different way this this morning of the cost of these. I just, it was like I really wanted to, I really wanted to, without going into a ton of details, like I wanted to respond to a, to a situation with anger, 
Like I wanted to respond to a situation of anger. I wanted to respond in a situation of standing up for myself, of like expressing my wants or wishes or whatever it may be. And like, I, I just, I, I don't know. I started, I was reading this verse and I thought like the cost, like the cost in the scenario for me is my, my own pleasure. It's the cost is me looking out is it, the cost is me not being able to respond in a way that's worldly. Like, Think about this, for example, if the cost of following Jesus, for example, if you're not a, I think it's easy if you're a Christian who is tithing regularly for this not to be something that you really think about a ton, but the cost is I can't spend, I can't just do whatever I want with my money, you know, or the cost is if I get into a fight with or an argument with my wife or a good friend or whatever it may be, I can't just, I can't just express my opinions and in and make it so that they have to bend to my will and my wishes. I have to seek reconciliation, even when I don't want to. You know, it's a, like the cost is like humbling yourself and your needs and your wants for on the behalf of others. And that is a cost, you know, it's, and I don't, I don't know why I never really thought about it that way. I don't know if that makes sense or not, but it was really convicting to me. Yeah, and sure. I've been kind of even struggling with, the this thought of like how much I mean Christ calls us to lay down our own lives, lay down our own wants and desires for the sakes of others, you know. And for me personally, I've just been the, I, I've been struggling with like, okay, what's the extent of like? Because I feel like at some point you do have to stand up for yourself and say like, hey, like I need this or I need help or I can't just keep doing this or this or that. But I think I don't know. I just think there is a cost to following Jesus that includes that you don't get to just live your life however you want. You know, mm-hmm. like you are now, const- you are now confined to a certain set of a, a new way of life, which looks different from the world and is not always going to be pleasurable. Because if I wasn't a Christian, yeah. I could just do whatever I want in a sense, you know, within realms of the laws. But like, I could yeah. go out and and get drunk. I could go out and watch TV just all the time and neglect my responsibilities. I could do all of that with no conviction, but I can't. And I don't know. If that makes does that make sense? Yeah, it makes sense. I I think one of the things I get uh, hesitant when people start going down that path mm-hmm. of like, oh, if I was a Christian, then I could just do whatever I want. Yeah. Uh, I think there is some truth you mean to not that. A Christian. And you would what? You, you mean not a Christian? Yeah, if you're not a Christian, mm-hmm. you know, when you if you if you say if I if I was not a Christian, then I could do whatever I want. Uh, I don't necessarily like that argument because it's like. I know people who aren't Christians that just don't go out mm. and get wasted and waste their life away. Well, what like, I'm saying is when my back's against the wall in a certain, if I'm like in a circumstance where I'm stressed and forced to make a decision on things, like because of my allegiance to Jesus, I now I'm going to operate and act and respond in a different way that may not even care about my own life and my own interests and others yeah. because. I the way the the option that I need to choose in obedience is not going to look as different as. If my back's against the wall and I wasn't a follower of Christ, I may choose something different, you know? Yeah. And I think that's that's the key right there is when you are a Christian, you are, the cost is your own desires. Mm-hmm. Because if you're not a Christian, then you can do whatever you want. Not in the sense of like, I'm just going to go out and do whatever, but it's like, I'm going to seek pleasure in order for me to find happiness and that's my end goal is my happiness when you're a christian your end goal is to glorify god 
and that doesn't always end up with you being happy, mm -hmm. quote unquote. Yeah. Uh, and so that's the cost is, you know, you're giving up your life in order to serve God with everything you are. Yeah. So it was good. It's funny how verses hit you in different ways in different seasons of life and things like that. Oh, but, for sure. Um, other than that, Scott, I don't know. Oh, I do want to tell one story. Oh, story time with Greg. Yeah, it was really cute. I was telling Scott a little bit of it, and I stopped myself before this podcast. So I could share it on here. But I, uh, Levi's been watching this show on Bible Venture, I think Life Church or something. I think the people who do the Bible app, that church, I think they do this TV show. It's called, it's called Life no, Church. No, it's called Bible Venture is the kids' TV no, but show. The, Maybe Life the Church. The church is called Life Church. I think so. Yeah. Um, possibly. I don't know. I might be wrong. But they put on a TV show called Bible Venture that my son likes, and they do Bible verses and songs and different stuff like that. And he's, I mean, he's two, and he's learned a ton from it. Um, we didn't really let him watch TV up until just now um, for a lot of different reasons. If anybody wants to know, they can ask me about it. Um but he, since he has started watching this, it's been like, it's been hilarious. He, he has Joshua 1 9 memorized and he like does these, um, these like emotions with it of like, be strong and brave. It's, it's hilarious. It's so cute. But tonight I was putting him down for bed and I don't know where he got this from, but he goes, Daddy, like I, I'm quiet trying to get him just to fall asleep in my arms, not moving, not saying anything. And he goes, Daddy, what's on your heart? Can you tell me what's on your heart? Let me listen to what's on your heart. And I was like, what is, what are you doing? Like, he just pushing, like saying all the right things to try to get your response. Bro, is he, uh, is he therapy? Is he your therapist? I think so. And then he goes, daddy, tell me Bible verse. And I was like, dude, I don't, I, I, I feel so bad not, you know, staying up with you now for another 30 minutes to talk to you. But, you know, kids got to sleep. Bro, I'm so excited to be raising a little kid and for stories like that, because that's just the greatest. Yeah. It makes my heart melt. Oh, it'll cheer up your day in an instant. I got home from work. I'm like all tired, exhausted. And then I'm kind of, you know, dreading putting him down because it can be a process sometimes. And then as you get into it, you're just like, how can I be upset right now? This is great. <laughs> but Tots adorbs. Yeah. Anything new on the wit watch front? baby watch um no nothing really uh just the amount of stuff that we've been ordering just to get ready and and things is kind of crazy mm. so make sure to hit up the gofundme <laughs> in the in the comments it's below got the patreon just for scott's baby yeah it's called go fund my mm -hmm. my baby yeah uh no i mean other than that uh it's been really good like i said earlier it's it's been really smooth so far and so that's just my biggest prayer and you know kind of prayer request is that everything keeps going smooth mm. yeah dude i'm excited you've got like 10 more weeks really until you're in the danger zone yeah we've started like uh uh play like oh this is gonna be our last trip without a baby mm. oh this is gonna be our last fancy meal without a baby yeah. you know and doing that whole thing do you have so. a walkout song planned a walkout yeah, typically, song you don't know that the typically the doctors ask you to send them in a song that they play as the baby's coming out <laughs> you didn't know that what was yours what was yours it was um it was uptown funk by bruno mars he came out dancing ours is gonna be um uh I'm trying to think 
Firework by Katy Perry. Sounds good. Because baby, you're a firework. Make him go. Ah, ah, ah. It's, I mean, it's a pretty quick process, um, too. So I'm sure everybody would be happy yeah, and dancing I think, and singing. I think we're in and out like in two hours, right? Yeah. No, no, less than that. Less than that. Oh, true, true, true. Yeah. Good. Good stuff. Hey, my walkout song one day at my funeral in the future um, is going to be... Take me home tonight. <laughs> sure. <laughs> a remix, Take Me Home Tonight, where it talks about going to heaven. Hey, we're, this this earth is not our home. Yeah, exactly. We are resident aliens. Well, Scotty Boy, I don't know if you have anything else. Um, now, we're doing our, now we're doing our outro. Hey, Scott. Bye, Scott. This is the end of our talk now. I don't have anything else for you. All right, I'm serious. We have nothing else to talk about on Decent Dialogue this week. Thus ends the regularly scheduled programming. Um, Bye, Greg. <laughs> this is the end of our show. <laughs> there's Bye, something. There's some outro there, right? What's our walkout song? <laughs> no more dialogue. Just like